Our gospel reading is from the Gospel according to Luke, the seventh chapter, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. After he entered the Pharisee's home, he took his place at the table. Meanwhile, a woman from the city, a sinner, discovered that Jesus was dining in the Pharisee's house. She brought perfumed oil in a vase made of alabaster. Standing behind him at his feet and crying, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured the oil on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw what was happening, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would know that she is a sinner. Jesus replied, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, speak, he said. A certain lender had two debtors. One owed enough money to pay 500 people for a day's work. The other owed enough money for 50. When they couldn't pay, the lender forgave the debts of them both. Which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the largest debt canceled. Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? When I entered your home, you didn't give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with, with tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has poured perfumed oil on my feet. This is why I tell you that her many sins have been forgiven. She has shown great love. The one who is forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other table guests began to say among themselves, Who is this person that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're in our third Sunday of a four-Sunday sermon series on stewardship. And stewardship is one of those things that we tend to think of only in financial terms. And we're, we're getting to the finances of it. We'll talk about that. That's next Sunday's sermon. But when we join the Methodist Church, we make a promise. We promise to uphold the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. And so we've been taking one of those each of the last two weeks and talking about what it means to uphold the church first with our prayers. Last week we talked about what it meant to uphold the church with our presence. Why it's important to be here in this space together on Sunday morning if we possibly can. Today I want to talk about why it's important to take what we learn in here and what we experience in here and take it out there. I'm talking about the habit of service. We are called to do more with our faith than just think happy thoughts about God and just say our prayers in our hearts and be grateful to God for what God's done for us. We're called to do that, yes. But that's not supposed to be where it stops. God wants us to show his love. God wants us to serve him. 
And when I was looking for scriptures for today's sermon, there's so many I could draw from. It got a little hard to, to narrow things down. You, you have the example of the Good Samaritan. The one who was a neighbor because he acted. He actually showed love to the person who was beaten and laying, dying in the middle of the road. But you also have this woman. And even though my Bible insists on titling this section Forgiveness and Gratitude, I think there's something here to be said for service, too. Because this woman performs a great service for Jesus. And Jesus recognizes it. Jesus has been invited to dinner at the home of a Pharisee. One of the, the high holy men in the, in the town. This is a great honor. And into this party comes this woman. And there's no doubt in my mind that everybody in that room, with the possible exception of Jesus, had encountered this woman, seen this woman, had some ideas to who this woman was. And Jesus certainly could figure it out. She didn't belong. She most certainly was not invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house. But she loved Jesus. She came there to serve Jesus. She wept for her sins over his feet, wetting his feet with her tears. She dried his feet with her hair. She performed this beautiful act of love. She anointed his feet with perfume. In one of the other gospel tellings of this story, Jesus makes the point that what she has done is she's actually anointed him for burial. They just don't realize it yet, but Jesus understands what's going on. She is there giving everything she's got to Jesus out of her great love for him. And she loves him because, y'all, she's had a lot to forgive, to be forgiven for. She had, this is not an upright woman. This is not, a, this is not one of the good folks in town. This is the kind of person where you see her walking down the street, you kind of clear out a little extra space and, and, and try not to get too close, and you probably don't try to make, you know, do your best not to make eye contact with her. She's one of the forgotten. And yet she loves, and she serves. She gives Jesus everything she has, and Jesus appreciates it. And look at the contrast that Jesus draws between her behavior and the behavior of the Pharisee who knows better. The Pharisee knows what it means to be a good host. He just doesn't do it. The host was supposed to provide water and a servant to wash your feet. Because in those days, you walked around in sandals on the road with animals. You got dirty. And so that was just common courtesy, was you had a bowl of water, and generally the, the, it was the job of the worst, the lowest servant in the household, had to do the job of wiping guests' feet. Simon doesn't do that. Simon's not overly happy to see Jesus. He's courteous, but he's not really excited to have Jesus in his home because 
he doesn't love Jesus the way that the woman loves Jesus because he hasn't needed Jesus' love the way that the woman did. He hadn't had that much to forgive. He's an upright guy. A little holier than thou, but he's an upright man. He's done the right things. He's been in the right places. He's stayed away from things he shouldn't have gotten involved in. And has tried to serve God that way. But he missed the love that's supposed to be part of our service. We serve God not because God demands it, not because God's going to be angry if we don't serve God. We serve God because we love God. We serve God out of God's great love for us has inspired a great love in our hearts. And so what we want to do is to find a way to give that love concrete expression. And we don't have God literally visibly in the room with us. So how do we serve God? By serving those who are made in the image of God. By serving each other. Because that's what we've got. That's the closest we've got to serving God directly is to serve one another. And not just one another here in the room, but those who don't look like us. Those who are on the wrong side of the tracks. Those who maybe we don't want to go and serve. God had to do a little working on me in order to get me to agree to be a preacher. I, I was not enthused with this idea when, uh, when God first began to call me into the ministry. And I spent a summer in college working for the Appalachian Service Project. I had gone up into Kentucky with a church group. I was, uh, I was an assistant group leader for Auburn United Methodist the summer before, taking a mission trip up into Kentucky to the Appalachian Service Project for a week to work on homes. We were working on the homes uh, of, this, of a single mom and her kids. And it was there I met Robbie. Robbie was probably six years old, and Robbie was the man of the house. And Robbie knew he was the man of the house. And Robbie came out every morning to greet us. And he supervised us as we worked on his house. And it was so wonderful to see him. I, I still can see his little curly, curly blonde head coming out, <laughs> headed out the door as soon as we pulled up, man. Robbie was out there to greet us, and he stayed with us all day long until we packed up at the end of the day to get back to the center. And I fell in love with serving God that way. Because it was something concrete. We, we were making a difference. We made a difference for Robbie and his family. I was like, wow, this is cool. And I had one of my friends at that church, the summer that I went as an assistant group leader, she was working for ASP. She told me, she said, you think this is great? You ought to try applying and spending the whole summer up here. It's fantastic. I'm like, wow, that sounds cool. So I applied. That may be where I heard the hymn, Here I Am, Lord, for the first time, was in the application process. We had to go on a retreat. It was an overnight retreat at a, a center in Georgia. And those of us who were all applying from that region had to go and be interviewed and, and talk together and, and work together and do some group activities. They wanted to see, they wanted to be able to see how we worked with others and, and what, our, what our logic was, what our thinking was. And at the time that I was working for the Appalachian Service Project, the executive director happened to be an ordained United Methodist elder out of the New Jersey Annual Conference. I thought, huh. There's more than one way to do ministry. 
I don't have to get up in the pulpit on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning for the rest of my life to do ministry. I can help people have better houses and do ministry that way. I can serve God that way. And God laughed and said, yes, you can, and then got me up in the pulpit on Sunday mornings anyway. But it was important for me to realize that there are many ways to serve God. And it's not just people like me with the fancy robes and the, the, the stoles around our necks that serve God. What y'all do is way more important. I, I see y'all, some of you I see for an hour on Sunday morning. Sometimes some of y'all I see more often than that. But y'all are the ones who are the hands and feet of the church. And I got to tell y'all that when I came to Bird's Chapel for our covenant meeting, I was so impressed with what y'all do. With the smile train and the shoe boxes and the Thanksgiving dinner. And the, the work, y'all are a really mission-minded serving church. Particularly to be no bigger than you are. That's wonderful. Because that's part of what we're called to do. I know big churches who aren't as involved in missions as y'all are. Who aren't as involved in service. We can impact other people. And you never know what kind of an impact you're going to have on somebody. You just don't. When I was in college, my very first church job, I was a uh, youth director. For a youth group of four kids. And a children's program, and they, it was two families, four children, two families. And a children's program with maybe eight on a good day. So a very small program. I happened to run into, I, you know, I, I was there for two years. And had gone off to seminary, came back my first year of seminary, and was in a store in Montgomery ran into the dad of one of those kids. That kid had given his life to Christ just a few weeks before. And the dad said, you laid the foundation for Alan to get saved. I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's how you just, you never know. You don't know what kind of impact your service is going to have. And so it's important to serve. Because the love that we've been given in Jesus is just too big for us to hold on to it for ourselves. And there are so many ways to serve. You serve, in part, by praying. If you can't get out and go see people, you pick up a telephone, give them a call, send a card. We've just gotten the card ministry started back up here at, at Bird's Chapel. You can text somebody if y'all are, are, are tech, if you're talking to somebody who's, who's texting. It only takes a few minutes just to reach out and say, hey, how are you? I was thinking about you. God had you on my heart, and I want you to know that God loves you, and I do too. It's that simple. It can be that easy. The folks who you see up front here, the lay people who are up front in the service, Sharon and Todd and Mary Ann and our ushers, and, and you know, Terry Ann in bulletins out at the front door, and you know, everybody who, Susan with the cookies, you know, everybody who does something, that's service. And there are lots of ways to serve. You know, some of you have been asked to serve on the committees for the church for the next year, and I appreciate you for saying yes, because that's important work. 
We can serve simply by being a neighbor and by showing love. We can do it with strangers. I, I, I have worked briefly in the secular world. I've waited tables, I've worked retail, and I've been a grocery store clerk. Y'all folks can get mean. Folks can get real mean. And one of the nicest things you can do, one of the best ways, you want to be a service? Look your grocery store clerk in the eye and say thank you and have a good day when they get done checking you out. Makes, you don't know what impact that might have on that person. That may be the only kind words and the only smile they see all day. It can be such a simple thing. We want to make service complicated. We want to say, well, that's, you know, that's what the clergy do, and that's what the missionaries do, and that, that's what full-time folks do. No, 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 no. Service is for all of us. Service is for all of us because Jesus died for us all. So all of us are called to show the kind of love that the woman showed Jesus and give what we have. It doesn't matter if you got a little you got a lot. Jesus doesn't care. You know, I, I, I saw one of these. It's sort of funny that, that Sharon had that story this morning about the, um, the shoes. I saw a debate on Facebook not too many weeks ago about, isn't it a shame that people don't wear nice clothes to church anymore? Yeah, but let me tell you. God is much more interested in us being here than in what we're wearing. The, the Sunday best thing came out of the idea that we offer God whatever we have that, that's our best. And I don't care if your best is a nice suit and tie or if your best is a pair of broken down tennis shoes and jeans with holes in them. Bring it. Come on in. The door is open. Because you can serve regardless of what you look like. God doesn't care about that stuff. What he cares is that you serve. Jesus loved both the Pharisee and the woman who was anointing his feet. He loved them both. But the woman knew how much she needed to be forgiven. And her love was extravagant. Y'all, we people of God should be known as the lovingest people on the face of the earth. And a lot of times, y'all, we don't live up to it. We have been loved greatly. We worship a Savior who has forgiven us. Big sins, little sins, doesn't matter. It's forgiven. Taken care of at the cross. So may we go forth from this place to serve him in all we do with a grateful heart, a joyful heart, and a heart that loves much because we know that we have been forgiven much. Amen.